that was really nice. Yeah. That was really nice. It was good. Not as nice as this intro we're about to do. Take it away, Josh. <laughs> well, what is going, guys? Uh, what an intro. Very classic. Classic. Um, welcome back to another Juby Saturday uh, here in the studio. We're recording another one for you, as we do every single week. This is either 130 or 131, something yep. around there. Something around there. Um, that's crazy. Thank you so much for supporting for 130 plus weeks. Uh, means a lot to us. We're always here recording every single week. Um, so before we get into the topic of this episode, please make sure that if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, hit the like button, leave a comment, make sure the notification bell is on. And also if you're listening on any audio platforms, please make sure to download this episode and leave us a five-star review because if you leave us a review, we will review it in the next episode. Yeah, that was sick, dude. I was, you see, I was, yeah. I was popping and locking. Really All right. We say at the beginning of every episode, download, right? Yeah. We just crossed 180,000 of you. We did. Which clicked that button. And listen, that's only one in every 10 of you that clicked that button. So if literally if just two out of every 10 of you click that button, it's going to launch our downloads a ton. So we need you guys to make sure we do that. We yeah. say it every single episode, but we really mean it. It helps our show grow a ton. Even if you're watching on YouTube, uh, just head over to Spotify. We know you have Spotify or Apple Music or facts, something like that. Facts, just facts, go facts. hit download. It's free. Dude. Completely free. 180,000 of you, which is crazy. That means probably around 1.8, 1.5 to 1.8 million of you have listened to the show, which is just Insane. ridiculous, you guys. All right. Over the last 130 weeks, what's been the biggest thing that's changed in your life? Biggest thing that's changed in my life. I mean, 130 weeks is a really a long, long time. time. I mean, it's two and a half years. Literally. Um, You go first. I don't have an answer yet. I need to think. Dude, I feel like I've just like... I realize more and more I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I just think pretty much every aspect of my life has changed just a little bit. If not more than a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I think you like, you realize that those eight, so like when we started the show, you were 16? Yeah. Wait, you were 16? No, seven, was, 17, 15. 17 and 15. Okay, why did I feel like I was so much younger than 15? I thought I was like 13 or something. <laughs> what age are you now? 17. Okay, so how would you be 15? <laughs> All right, I was 15. I feel like when you're 15... Like, you think you have certain things figured out. Yeah. Like, uh, you feel like you kind of have your head on your shoulders a little bit. And then, like, two years goes by and you still realize that, like, you don't know what you're doing. And then I think you realize overall that no one really knows what they're doing. Seriously. And I think that's kind of what I want to talk about in this episode a little bit. But cool. continue with what you think. I think, for me, I've kind of gone full circle when it comes to, like, career path. Yeah, that's super interesting. Literally recently. Yeah, because I, like... When we first started, I was doing a lot of stuff with cooking, did that for a long time, kind of got burnt out, didn't do it for a long time, and now I'm doing it again. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a change. Okay, that's interesting. How did you, like, how did you get kind of re-sparked after the burnout? Because I think that's super interesting. I think just giving myself enough time to recuperate. Okay. Like, I, it, it was a lot of work every day doing the same pretty much the same things for so many for like so long right um that it kind of just got a lot and also i wasn't in the greatest environment when it came to the people i was around doing that not like friends wise but like business wise um it just wasn't a great super healthy like for my mental health place yeah. to be in uh, and then i also did some private cooking um for something that didn't end up being the greatest decision um yeah. and it kind of just burnt me out for a while but now i'm back uh, better than ever. What are you What are you changing going into it this time? That like you feel like you're gonna have longevity and you can sustain it. I think now, 
the thing that I'm changing most is that I'm setting my rates mm -hmm. because now that I'm legally allowed to make money, I can actually charge people what it's worth. Totally. Instead of just being like, a donation would be great. Right, right, right. Because that's when, when I used to be doing stuff, it was all under the table or donation based. Right. And then I was never actually getting paid what I was worth for the like the service I was providing. Totally. Uh, so now I'm able to actually charge like full price, which is, I think, great. Yeah, I think it was interesting about that. And I think that's probably something that's pretty universal when it comes to young business owners or just young people getting into the game is you always underestimate yourself off the bat. For sure. And it's a little bit of that, there's no way I can charge that much. Or like, yeah. we've, we've had that with, the, like with sponsors and sure. the show itself. We've been like, there's no way. And you throw it out there. And I think it's like, you, you, if you walk in there confident and you say it confident, of like, no, this is what I charge. This is what it's worth. Yeah. They believe you. For sure. Like, there's no reason for them not to. So that's interesting. So going back into it this time, okay, uh, aside from, like, knowing, like, how much you can charge mentally, what, how are you going into it differently? I to think make sure that you don't repeat the patterns. For sure. I think now more than ever, I'm realizing that I need to make money to live how I want to live mm -hmm. instead of just all money on the side would be nice, okay. which is what it used to be. Yeah. But now it's like, I need to set myself up for a life, like a long life where I'm gonna have to support myself. Is it almost like a good pressure? Yeah, I'd, I'd say that. And it's just building a work ethic that obviously, I mean, we've both expanded on our work ethics over the last couple of years. Totally, totally. Um, and I think just that, like working with Juvie as well, the consistency of Juvie has kind of helped with that. And then, yeah, now again, like knowing that I have to make this work to, to be able to provide for myself yeah. yeah totally that's kind of the yeah healthy pressure and i think like th this is the this is the timeline that most people follow is like you you start it for it, it, it i mean it's very similar to the show we talked about this on a, a previous episode that i think dropped right before this of like the reason why we started juvie two years ago that eventually is going to change right yeah we've changed and i think it's like it's inevitable that what you start creating from, like the place you start creating from, that has to change over time, For right? Sure. And I think like that, it's really interesting. And I think like good pressure is kind of just how you evolve. Like if, yeah. if there's nothing, if there's no fire under you, that's like, listen, this is not that you're in a make or break situation, but you don't want to ever have to get there. Definitely. And I think that's like, I've never really looked at like, like fear as a good thing, but I think you're stupid to say fear is not a motivator. Oh yeah, you have to be motivated by fear. Totally. Because like in your business, say you have a big client. Yeah. You lose this big client. Yep. You then need that fear motivation to go out and find yourself a totally. new client to keep the business alive. Totally. And and I want to be clear. I, I don't think you should live in fear. No. I, I'm a big believer in you should not be fear of man. I, I think you should not fear another human. And when I say that, I mean don't let fear control your actions. But what we're saying is like you can't, I just don't think you can really function at your highest potential when you're comfortable and there's no fear backing it of like, listen, I need to make this happen compared to I want to make this happen. Yeah. Just two totally different ways to think about like when you're creating something, you know? For sure. I just, yeah. So what What about you for the question? What What is the biggest thing that's changed in your life? Um, I think, I mean, I think there's like a few things and I think I'm figuring out. I don't know that I've like two years later, I'm like, oh, this is what I figured out. Um, I think I think I've just realized that there's certain things that have a clear formula and there's certain things that no one has figured out. Yeah. When I mean no one has figured out, it's more just like the way that you figure it out is individual to you. For like sure. we we all figure out these 
these problems in our lives in a different way, but the problems are all pretty similar. So I think like two years ago, I probably would have looked at like making a hard business decision uh, as in like, I don't, I don't really know an example, but say you have to, or any hard decision, doesn't have to be in business, of just like, oh, okay, so after the hard decision, this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And then I realized there's no supposed to because everyone deals with that differently. Exactly. And everyone, every business is different. Every totally. client in every business is different. So totally. it's like, you're not going to treat one client the exact same as the other one because it's just, it's different needs. And, and I think that's that's something you've probably had to figure out. Right. And I think like, but it's it's honestly like, with anything, like relationally, with your friends, you just eventually figure out that like we all navigate our problems differently. Yeah. And I think I, I think I was probably just naive in the way of I was thinking of that there's a solution to most problems. And there is a solution, but the solution doesn't look the same for everyone. Yeah. So I think that's probably like my biggest takeaway over the last two years. Also, I think one of my other big takeaways is that we've we've been creating in public yeah. for now two years. Like I, I was having a conversation with someone yesterday over lunch and we were talking about how like how how vulnerable it is to like create something that and you've you 100 percent know this with with cooking. It's like when you create something and then you put it on a plate to be served in your in your case, literally, literally. Right. But in our case, we sit behind a microphone, we create something and we're serving it to you every Saturday. Yeah, that is a scary process. And it's a vulnerable process, and I think we look at when when we when we think about creating something, we think of the final product being what we serve. But you always know that you could keep it under wraps and keep making it perfect and more perfect and more perfect. Yeah. But I think the creative process is actually a public process, and it has to do with releasing something. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's something we both had to get used to because we never expected to share this much about our lives on totally. social media especially this young. Yeah. Like we we didn't expect to have a platform this big or or any of this. Like we always wanted to do stuff in the public eye. Like that's yeah. something we both were passionate about, but then we we never expected it to get to this point. And it is scary cuz like yeah, if if you're not proud of what you're creating, it's always going to be scary to release, but then obviously the more and more you get used to it, the more you'll get more proud of it, the easier it gets to release. Well, I think I've realized like a part of the creative process is actually serving something to the public because if you always keep it under wraps you never really know if what you've created will resonate with other people yeah but something i i, I realized in i was i was watching a it was rick rubin on joe rogan and he was talking about how good art is subjective because it, who am i to say that something is good when i didn't create it yeah like if josh were to create something and show it to me. He created a painting. He showed it to me. Who am I to say that's good or not? Yeah. It's all subjective. And I think that it's a comforting thing because I think if we look at, and I'm using, when I say art, I'm not meaning like a physical painting. I'm just meaning anything that you've created that you're putting, like what we create, every episode we create is art. It's just something that came from inside of us that then we created and that we're putting out publicly. And I think I've realized that we can't look at the success of art. We can't leave it up to other people. Yeah. I think it's like your job is done when you published it. And at yeah. that point, you've created the best thing you've created and you've put it out. And at that point, you can't control anything else. For sure. And I think it, it's scary, but also it should be comforting because it's like, oh, I, I put it out. Like after you've created a dish and you've given it to someone, you've put in everything that you can to make that the best dish possible. Your job is now over. Yeah. You've served it. That's it. It's just now up to them, you know? For sure. Because if I make something that I'm really proud of, but somebody else has different taste buds, 
totally. they might not like it as much as I'm proud of it. A hundred percent. And that's just that's just life. Yeah. I think another thing that I've I've realized over the last two years is that I think doing nothing isn't actually in action. So when someone asks me, oh, what have you been up to? And I'm like, well, I don't really know what to do. Well, when you don't know what to do, doing nothing is not the solution to that. Yeah. And I think we've looked at waiting as an action, but that's not really an action. It's actually quite the opposite. Yeah. And I think the longer that we wait, it it creates an entitled mindset of, oh, something's going to present itself to me. But it's almost like we've created it as like, when you don't know what to do, you do nothing. And yeah. that's just not the solution to anything. Yeah, and I think you're right when you said it's like almost the opposite because waiting is just a reaction of fear. Right. Like, But I think it's often presented as an action. Yeah. Like when someone asks, like, oh, what are you doing? I'm waiting. That well, th- That's a response as in you're doing something, but it's literally the definition of doing nothing. Exactly. But I think the longer that you wait, the more and more you dig yourself into the hole of something's going to present itself to me. And I think sometimes you get so deep in the hole that you never can peek your head out. Yeah. And then you le- like you live your whole life of just waiting. Yeah, because you get comfortable in the hole. And and the thing is, is like living a life of waiting is one, dangerous, two, scary, and three, sad. Yeah. Like you don't want to wait your whole life because you're already all in. Like, it's also so boring. Yeah, but it gets comfortable. Yeah. And I think it's like, dude, you're you're on the planet already. So what are you waiting for? It's like your cards are all in. Like the money's on the table. You're you've bet everything already. For sure. It's just like I think I, I think it makes me sad when I see people that are waiting for something to happen when it's just completely in their hands. Yeah. You know, it's I, it, it's just sad. I'm like And I can I can relate to this cuz just a couple days ago um, I had recently just launched, um, my business. Yeah. Um, and I put a lot of work in, in the last couple of days and then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm like waiting for people to, to fill out the applications. Mm-hmm. And then I just ended up sitting in my room for like a few hours and not doing anything. Cause I was like, yeah, I'm just like waiting for people to apply. <laughs> then I was like, that's not how it works. I need yeah. to tell people about this first. 100%. Like, so then obviously kicked into gear and started working. I'm like setting up email lists and stuff now, but it's like, you can't just wait for something to happen if you haven't put. Like, if you haven't given people reason to, to do well, it. And the truth of the matter is, nothing is going to happen. Yeah. It, it Like, if we think of waiting as an action, there is going to be no result ever. Yeah. Nothing just ever presents. I mean, I can't say never because I'm sure that someone has been doing nothing their whole life and then bought a lottery ticket and won a billion dollars. sure. It's happened. Whatever. But that's not you. <laughs> that's not going to be you. Like, you're, no, you're not the, winning the lottery. The lottery is literally one in, like, 100 billion. You literally have, like, a better chance of getting struck by lightning four times in your pinky or something yeah. like that. That's not true. I just made that up. But it's just, like... <laughs> I mean, it's probably right. It, it probably is pretty true. Um, Did you hear about the guy who got struck by lightning 11 times in one lifetime? He's straight up a magnet, bro. He, like, just kept going out into storms getting <laughs> struck by lightning. How do you survive 11 times? I don't know, but you'd think after one time you just wouldn't go back into storm again. No, dude. He was trying to break that world record. He's Seriously. Like, bro, someone's gotten struck nine times. I got to go out and break this. Imagine getting struck by lightning 11 times. You know, it literally starts cooking you from the inside. Dude, it's happened in the studio, though. Our gear is straight up. Oh, for real? <laughs> I was like, who got struck here? Our gear in the studio, guys, is, like, straight up. Like, what is it called? Like, what would that be called? Electrified. I don't know. It's like you touch. It's, it's stupid. It's probably, honestly, because we have so much gear in such a small room. That yeah. Like, strip, everything is, um. what's the word, though? Everything is, um, like, a conductor. Yeah. That's not, it's all, like, that's sta- not it, I don't know. But I, I like getting here early so I can turn the cameras on and touch them without getting shocked because they don't, like, 
it they get more electrified the longer the day goes on. Yeah. Okay. All right. Diving back into this. Um, where were we at? I completely lost my train of thought. Waiting. 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 Okay. And then, so then I was listening to this podcast with, again, it was Rick Rubin, and this was, like, GQ launched this series called Epic Conversations. It's, like, the worst name ever. Yeah. But it's, they literally just sit down, like, two very successful people in the same field. So this was Pharrell Williams and Rick Rubin. And they were just talking about, like, like when you put two people like that in the same room, you just realize how much greatness they've both created together. Yeah. Like, it, like they're just sitting down, dropping, like, platinum records they've both created. And you're like, holy cow, this is just, like, another level. Um, but Pharrell was talking about, he's like, he's like, you know, after creating all these, like, insane hits, like, some of just the biggest songs in history, he's talking to Rick Rubin, he's like, what did like what have you learned? And Rick Rubin goes, I know nothing about music. Yeah. He's like, I don't know anything about music. He's like, the number one thing that, that I've just kept in the top of my brain is that everyone else's ideas are just as valuable as mine. No matter how many platinum records I've created versus what they've created, yeah. all of our ideas are the same. Like when it comes to the value of them. And I was like, dude, that is such a humble way to think after knowing he could easily sit there and be like, Oh, this is what I've realized about greatness. He's literally created greatness. Like For sure millions and billions and like just the top of the top but the fact that he could sit there and that's how he's thinking and then i'm like oh but that's where he's that's why he's where he's at that's why yeah it's because he's kept himself so humble you're never gonna reach the top if you think that you're better than everybody else right like he he gets i'm sure when he gets to work with a big artist it's like it's an honor to him oh 100 instead of the other way around yeah because i mean for someone with his standard and his name right it would be an honor for most artists to work with oh, this guy. Oh, 100%. But for him, it seems like, just from how humble he presents himself as, he's like, I get to go work with this artist. Yeah, it, it's like literally a kid in a candy shop in his 60s. Yeah. Like, he's just fallen so in love with the process of, like, creating something. And so this this brings up a question. And I was talking about this over lunch yesterday, about it, you hear, when we hear a lot of, like, people that have created great art, like the top of the, like, just some of the best things to be, ever be created they always talk about like you know th- you should only be creating out of like the most pure flow state and like just when it's coming from the best intentions and that made me think how realistic is that and how does the everyday person apply that yeah because not every person is like in their bones a creative person some people right. have to find creativity huh I might disagree there. I, I think when you say find, what do you mean? Like, some people say, like, for an example, Stephen King. Mm-hmm. He sits down, he writes 4,000 words every day. He will sit at his computer and he won't stop until he reaches 4,000 words. He's been doing that every day for, like, almost 50 years. Yep. He's got creativity just falling out of his ears. 100%. To be able to write stuff like that. Yep. I know a lot of people who would want to write a book probably would have to take a lot more work at trying to find a story inside instead of just like some people have it just But the question oozing. is, did he start there? Probably not. That's what I'm saying. Like people right. have to like people have to find where their creativity comes from and then tap yeah, into that. I think it's just like a muscle. It, it's just built over time. But I, it made me think I'm like, okay, so for someone that isn't a multi multimillionaire and doesn't just get to create all day how realistic is it to only create out of a pure flow state? Because how often can you really get there? 
Yeah, because some people need to create on command to like if they're trying to if they need it to like make money. Some people have to create every day on command. But with him, he doesn't really need to. He just no, has the opportunity to. I don't even know if that's what I'm trying to figure out. I think I'm just trying to figure out like if we if we look at like creating something as a habit, then that's one thing. But that's not necessarily what he was saying. He was saying you should only be creating out of this place. And I'm like, but how realistic and how often is it that you can get to that place? Yeah. In the sense of like your head's clear, you're fully focused on the art, and you're just creating and that's all that's on your mind. I'm like, how often do I even get there? You must really love that type of art to be able to create in that space only. I don't even know if it's a love thing. It's like I, I, I think most people wish they could get there, but how often can you get there? It's like we can't yeah. – I, can, I cannot sit here and say that every time I've sat behind the microphone, it's because I feel like I'm in my flow state for no. creativity. No. That's just not realistic. Like it's like – but how do you get there? Because I want to be there. Like know, that, that sounds be, so nice. It like, sounds, yeah, like I, I can't say that every time I've cooked a meal, I've been like – In the state. In of, this, this incredible state of creativity. But I also definitely have been before. But then I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to always consume create something that's been created because it feels pure. Sometimes I want to consume something that feels mad. Yeah. And someone had to create that out of a mad place. So then, do we look at being in a mad place as your flow state? Do you know what I like, mean? Yeah. There's no way Mario Judah created. Um, right, I miss the raid. That's just not art, though. In a flow state. <laughs> hey, that's art. Hey, maybe that's his flow state, because it's like we. If, and I don't even know if that's what they're trying to say. I think maybe dissecting it more than what they meant it to be dissected because I'm just like, you don't always want to be consumed. Like, I feel like most of the time when we're consuming things, it's based off where we're at. Yeah. Did the camera just move or something? It, I, dude, I saw that too. I think the door, like, the moved. door moved. <laughs> and we saw, like, the reflection. I freaked out. I saw your face. <laughs> dude, it's because we recorded that monster episode. <laughs> Literally, that's the first thing my mind went to. <laughs> All right. Uh, where the heck was I, dude? I was on a, I was on a rabbit trail. Um, I think a lot of the time, like, okay, you get in your car. Based off of what your mood is, is based off what you're going to play. You're not going to be feeling mad and turn on some holly jolly beats. You no. know what I'm saying? Holly but, jolly <laughs> I was trying to think of something really happy, and I couldn't if think of it. If you ever make a production company, it needs to be called holly jolly beats. <laughs> uh, I was trying to think of happy music, and I literally couldn't just think of something that felt all happy. Um, <laughs> but it's like, if we consume based off of where we're at, then are we supposed to create based off where we're at? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know either. I was hoping you had the answers, Josh. I don't know. Uh, I, mean, no, I mean, I don't know. Okay, so the, the, question, the response I got yesterday was, I think you have to, I think the process of getting to that place is where you're supposed to be creating. And I think that's literally where we're at. If it's just like, we're figuring out what direction we want to take this, what we want our brand to look like, what we want to embody, what we want to put out to you guys. In the process of figuring that out, we're sitting here every week and still creating. Yeah. So it. So then if we look at creating out of the most authentic place, this is the most authentic place. We could just stop creating, but then that wouldn't be authentic because that's not where we're at. Yeah. You know where I'm at? You know where I'm at? Yeah. I'm not sure where I'm at. But this, I mean, is, where, this is where I'm at. It's, I mean, it's creativity. It, I, it's like you can't really put a cap on it. You can't really, like, sometimes you can't really decide when you're creative. You just have an idea, and that could become your greatest idea yet. And then right. sometimes you can try and put yourself in a state of creativity and you come up with nothing. 
Which is most of the time. Yeah. It's like when like you try to think about creating something, you can't create something. Yeah, like if I'm really stuck for an idea for a juvie episode, I'm like, dude, I've got nothing. Yeah. But then sometimes I'll just be laying in bed and be like, that is a perfect idea of what yeah. we could talk about. It's like you can't it so you can't force it. You no. can't force the process of like trying to create something because then yeah, you're not you're just creating a ton of crap through T B H. What have you, what else has been going on in your life? <laughs> Uh, what else has been going on in my life? Uh, I already said it. Started a business doing private cooking. Um, so if you if you live in the area, uh, I've got a website. It's or, if wanna, or if you want to fly Josh out. Yeah, seriously. AltamoraPrivateCooking.com. I made a website. I'm actually really You can fly Josh out, but he only goes first class. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Only first class. Uh, $100,000 per meal. Oh, is that it? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, went to Clear Creek yesterday. Oh, dude, we almost freaking died in this cave, bro. Swam down some rapids. <laughs> that was sick. Okay. So basically, where we're at in Northern California, there's a lot of, like, lakes and creeks and whatever. And, like, me and Josh aren't big outdoor people, really. But, like, there's some things that are, like, fun to do. I love outdoor. But we're not – you're not hiking every weekend. Yeah. You no, know that's true. Like, I feel like we lived in Switzerland and I'd want to hike. But I have I just don't like the mountains here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're just not as cool. That's just freaking hot. Yeah, dude. It's so hot. Okay. I'm completely changing the subject because so something else came back to me. The YouTube 24-hour view record was broken. Was it? Um, it was Mr. Beast broke it. Mr. Beast broke it. Yeah. It's the like the it was uh, the record, but excluding music videos. Yeah. Why do I feel like music videos don't go viral anymore? They don't. People don't make music videos anymore. I feel like they make them, but you never hear about them. Well, I'm just like you're telling me there's a music video that did more numbers than Mr. Beast. Well, I mean the biggest channels used to be like Ed Sheeran, Vivo, and Justin Bieber, Vivo, and stuff like that. I remember Vivo. Yes. The music video channels. Vivo. And everyone used to put it in their thumbnails when they made a diss track, even though it wasn't Vivo. Yeah, and they'd have like 15 million subscribers. For back then was like absurd. What do you like, think of I'm that video? I'm pretty sure Baby was the most viewed video on YouTube for a long time. Yeah, you realize how many people still listen to their music off of YouTube because it's free. But it's like so... Uh, I don't know anybody who just listens to YouTube. No, but I feel like anyway. a lot of people still do somehow. Yeah. Okay, what do you think of that video? Which one? The Mr. Beast one. Was it? It was the train one, right? No, 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 the raft one. Oh, it was the raft one that broke it. That's the one that broke. That it. video was so sick. I feel like that was one of the first Mr. Beast videos in like a few videos. I'm like, oh, this was really good. Yeah, because you can see they're actually going through it. Like they were suffering. So brutal, dude. I would not be able to do a week on that raft. I was gonna raft. say I don't think I could either. If Mr. Beast was handing me money, like a hundred grand, then I could do it. I want to know how much Laser Beam got paid for that video. I don't know if they get paid. I think it's an exposure based thing. Laserbeam doesn't need exposure. I think he does, dude. It's Mr. Beast. I know, but he's got—he's the biggest U Australian YouTuber in the world. Is he actually? Yeah. How many subscribers does he have? Like twenty-five mil. Oh my gosh. He's—he's—he's he's, he's chilling. Yeah. Then why else would? But why else would you go suffer? Probably because he's paying him. Does that really bring in views just because Laserbeam is on there? Yeah, for sure. I feel like I stopped knowing about Laserbeam once Fortnite ended. Yeah. Like once the Fortnite era was over, I stopped watching or like. He's in all of the Sidemen Among that. Us videos now. He's a part of Sidemen? No, but he just like does all. He goes in all their Among Us videos. They still make Among Us videos, dude, and they're the best. Vid they are so funny. Okay, that's the only type of Sidemen content that I don't understand how you like. Dude, it is so funny. You still watch Among Us videos, Josh? It's twenty twenty three. I know, but it's like modded Among Us. <laughs> dude, it's so good. That literally just doesn't change anything in my I head. I love bro. it so much. It's like whenever I see Sidemen Among Us on more Sidemen, immediate click. That's. That's, I don't think that's good, Josh. It's Among Us, bro. Oh, I love it. It's so cooked. I All right, it. you guys, last thing I need you to do this summer. This is the last thing. I need everyone, after watching this episode, 
go watch our other episodes. But after that, I need you to go watch Phineas and Ferb. Yeah. Because this is like a really serious topic that we need to discuss. If you haven't been watching Phineas and Ferb this summer, um, we need to talk about it because it's just not it's not okay. Yeah. Um, just going to leave you guys with that. I'm also going to leave you with one thing. Uh, why can a nose not be a foot long? Oh no! Why can a nose not be? Fumbling. Why can a nose not be twelve inches long? <laughs> That's a foot. Did you fumble like that? No, no, no! But why can a nose not be twelve inches long? Because it's a nose, not a foot. <laughs> no, because it's not a foot. Bro, that's what I just said. You fumbled the joke. <laughs> I fumbled the joke. <laughs> you used uh, the tagline in the. Guys, I fumbled the joke. That's the first time I fumbled a joke. A joke's a Josh, and I'm heartbroken. I've got to. I, I have three jokes that I was going to use in the last episode, but I've got to do it for this or for the next episode, and I'm going to keep the other two for the next episode. You I would have never known what to say. Then you told me. Actually, what to I'm, say. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say one of the other jokes because I feel like I messed up too bad, and it's just like it's such a good joke. The jokes for Josh community is just up in arms. What concert costs just forty five cents? I don't know. 50 Cent featuring Nickelback. <laughs> like, it's just... I get it, but it's just not, like... It's not funny, though. <laughs> such a good joke. I was gonna say 50 Cent, but I was like, wait. Oh, 50 Cent featuring Nickelback. That is just incredible. You can go ahead and end this episode. See, the thing is, it's like, every time we end with jokes with Josh, it's just like... It, the episode is just like... Like, what do we do now? Maybe we should start with jokes with Josh. No, 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 I no. Think... That'll throw it off so bad. How? Okay, I'm just going to go with all three of my jokes because this okay. is a good one. All right, we How many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? Eight tentacles. Tentacles. <laughs> I got it almost, bro. I almost got it, dude. Uh, okay. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for watching this episode of the GV Podcast. Uh, we're, we are honored to have you guys listening every single straight week. Up, straight up. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to do everything we said in the beginning, which is liking, subscribing, commenting, also downloading and leaving a five-star review. Everybody, that is a wrap. That's a wrap.